All right. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? I don't know. The heat's got us a little down, right? A little drained out here, maybe. All right. Hey, Josh, will you mind hitting those lights for me, brother? I'm sorry. I forgot to do that earlier. Thank you. Awesome. So, so good to have you guys at Faith Church this morning. Thank you for making us a part of your Sunday experience, and I hope you have a great day, whatever you're doing the rest of the day, but today I pray as you jump in this morning with us that you're blessed by what we have going on today, that you have a great time. Uh, if you're new here, we want to welcome you formally, so make sure you let us know because we want to give you a free gift bag in the back. If you're online, we want to welcome you as well, so make sure you let us know because we got a free e-gift for you there too, so don't miss out on those free things. As we want to bless you for coming here and joining us for first or second time, if, if that's you this morning, all right? Also, uh, if you have kids, we love to have your kids at Faith Kids downstairs. It's a great time down there with our teachers, and, and, and the program that's down there is awesome as they get to play games, they have activities, they have uh, videos, they have all sorts of great things to get into each and every week, and it's such a great experience. So we encourage you to bring your kids and, and have them come downstairs if, they're, if you're online, rather, and you want to, to do that with your kids, there's a partial availability there too. So if you go on our Facebook page, you'll see the option underneath this post on our page for a Faith Kids link. And you'll click that and you can do it with your family. They can do it on their own. You can do it with them, whatever the case is. It's multifaceted. That way you have the opportunity to engage at home when you're on vacation or wherever the case is, and then come back and you can do it right here in person with our team as well. So thank you for doing that. It's so awesome to be able to hear uh, my kids when they come home and be able to relate all the stuff they've gathered up during the day, uh, during the morning process. And it's just a fun time to be able to dive into it together with them. Also, a couple of different things we have going on. Uh, one is this Friday night at 6, from 6 to 7.30, we have a paint and sip in the cafe, all right? So if you like to paint, and this time we're sipping coffee, all right, just to clarify, but if it's a paint and sip in the cafe, so we're going to have easels, we're going to have paint supplies. If you don't have your own, we'll supply them for you, and uh, it's going to be a great experience hanging out and, and painting. We have uh, one of our members here, uh, Kim Cagle. She's going to help lead everyone through that process. She has some of her paintings that are hanging in the cafe right now, uh, amongst many other great ones, and so if you want to try your hand at it. Maybe you're not a good painter. I'm horrible at painting, but maybe you're better than me, or maybe it doesn't matter. I just want to try it out. Feel free to come and sign up. There's a sign-up sheet in the cafe. You'll see that. Make sure you don't miss out on that, uh, or you can sign up online on Junction Cafe's Facebook page or at their email, junctioncafevt at gmail.com, and you can sign up online as well, all right? So don't feel like you're missing out. There's no cost. It's all free. You just show up. We get the supplies. We have a great time together painting up whatever you're imagination conjures up. Should be awesome. All right. Also, next Sunday after that, so Friday night, 6 o'clock, be in the cafe for that. Sunday morning, be here because we've got ice cream Sunday. all right? So we're going to have a, the ice cream truck, the one that tends to drive by here when my kids are outside and I have no money on hand. That's the one that usually comes by. That's the one that's going to be here next uh, Sunday morning after the morning experience. So around 11 o'clock, we're going to have the ice cream truck pull into the driveway, and it's all free. We are covering the whole bill. So bring your kids. Make sure they're here to get free ice cream. Hey, yeah. And you as an adult, please feel free to grab it as well, all right? It's not just for kids. It's for everybody, all right? So make sure you're taking uh, next Sunday and making us your priority next week, all right? 
Also that night, there is a Bennington area prayer and worship night going on at the Thompson Family Stage at 6.30 there. Make sure if you're in the area or if you're available, that is an awesome event to go to. The last one they did was at MAU. They had a prayer and worship event uh, there on the campus, and so that turned out so well they wanted to keep it rolling. And so if you're in the area, 6.30 next Sunday night, that would be fantastic. Thompson Family Stage, and uh, that would be a great event to attend. Last thing is faith worship night. So you can worship there on August 28th and on September 9th, Friday night. We're here, 6 p.m. We're going to have live worship. We're going to have everything going. We're going to have the drums, keys, the guitar, uh, vocals. We got Miss Dawn, she's going to sing. And we got some other people who are going to jump in that process. It's going to be a great time. So make sure you don't miss it. Last, uh, the last worship night we had back around Easter was huge. It was successful. We had so many people in here. And it was such a great uh, time, uh, such an awesome experience overall. And so I encourage you, make us again that priority Saturday, September 9th at 6 p.m. Don't miss out on that because as you're going to really enjoyed, I guarantee it. All right, last thing we want to get to is one, if you are in need, all right, we want to help you if whatever need you may have, whether it be a gas bill, we just give out some gas cards this week, or whether it be a fuel bill, or whether it be electricity, whatever's going on in your life and you need some help with, make sure you let us know because we want to help you where you're at. You can get up with us by going to faithchurchvt.com. Go down to the bottom, you'll see all our contact info, and uh, just reach out any way is convenient for you, and we will get back to you, okay? Don't think we won't. We will reach out to you and connect with you and prayerfully make whatever your need is and get that fixed, all right? Uh, if you would love to give, we'd love to give you an opportunity to do that as well. We have baskets in the front and in the back. Uh, we encourage generosity in all forms, not just financial, but time and talent as well. So many people have poured into uh, this church over the past few years uh, to make this place bigger and better, and all their gifts are so treasured. I think of, uh, of uh, the generosity of Rich, as, as you guys know Rich Ryder, and he's, he brings in all the train stuff that we have in the cafe that really made that thing feel uh, just set it off in a different level, all the giving that's been going on so that we can do things like the paving out front uh, and the driveway. That is fantastic. Hey, this winter, you won't have to worry about coming into some snowy parking lot. It's going to be nice. It's going to be cleared. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, my kids are looking forward to it because they don't have to snow plow rocks anymore. So that's good. Uh, but it's awesome to see all the generosity this church does be able to bless the community uh, and, and bless this church to grow bigger and better and reach more people for Jesus, which is the whole reason we're doing this. And so thank you for all that you've done to give toward that effort. And we encourage you to keep giving. Uh, one way I didn't mention is faithchurchvt.com. Again, there's a give button. It's really easy. We encourage you to do that or on our app as well. We have an app you can give on, Church Center. Find our church. You can give there too. All right. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for being a part of this Sunday. So good to see all your faces. We have so many who are out on vacation this week, so I pray you're all watching online. If you're not, send this to them and tell them I said they better be watching online next time they're out of town. All right, so uh, we're going to get into it this morning because I'm grateful uh, to be a part of a church that's not only generous in finances and time and talent, uh, but generous in all things. And part of what happens when we get to be so generous is that we get to sometimes be a little overcommitted. And so we're, uh, we get into things like busyness and stress stress and anxiety and all these things that we're going to cover in our series that we're in week three of called Overcomers, right? Moving from surviving to thriving in our lives. We talked last week about how we fall into ruts of busyness, right? Where we just fill our days with so much that it's really a miracle we get anything productive done, isn't it? 
And we talked through solutions to start on how to correct that. So if you missed the busyness one, go back. Devote an hour of your life to it and watch that last, uh, last week's episode on YouTube as we covered how to get unbusy in your life. This week, we're going to continue with what busyness produces, and that's stress, all right? Now, even if you're not incredibly busy, stress can be really prevalent, right? The pressures of work, family, finances, expectations, relationships, all those things can just wear on you day after day after day, right? So today... We discuss how to manage our stress better, and I, I say manage because I don't think it's healthy, one, to eliminate it, and two, I think it's impossible, but we're going to find out how to manage it better so that we're not beat down by it, all right? So to get us started, I got a question for us during our five-minute break. So if you haven't been a part of our church, we do a weird thing. We five-minute break here right before we really get into anything, and so I want to encourage you as we're breaking to get up, grab some coffee. We have iced coffee. There's hot coffee. Uh, people can whip up a latte for you or a cappuccino. There's tons of stuff in that cafe for you to use. Also, I want you to get up and ask each other this question. If you're comfortable doing so, if you're an introvert, I just freaked you out. You can stay seated. But if the rest of you would like to get up and talk to each other, feel free to do that. As we have this question, I'd love us to discuss together, even online. It's it's this. When you can't sleep, what's one thing you're thinking about? Not all the things, just give me one thing you're thinking about that keeps you awake at night, all right? Because I know you all do it. Everybody stays awake sometimes. What's the one thing you're thinking about? We're going to have approximately four to five minute break. When the song's over, just make your way back to your seats and we'll have the time of discussion that together, all right? Go ahead and hit it, Josh. All right. There we go. Ah, feel free to take your time. No rush. No rush. We're not in a hurry. All in a hurry? Y'all got something to do today? I'm not in a hurry. All right. Maybe y'all are busier than me then, right? So we'll get into this this morning. Uh, it was such awesome time to be able to talk to you guys about what in the world's keeping you awake at night, all right? So Mr. Rich, where's Rich at? Where is he? Yeah, he's up front. All right, here we go. He's going to help us out today. Uh, let's talk about that. What's, who wants to answer out loud? Who wants to admit to the whole crowd, the whole world watching online? What keeps you awake at night? Here we go, Trina. Go for it. <laughs> Hi. Hi, good morning, everybody. I'm Richard's niece. Um, Pastor Jason and I were just saying, like, money is something that definitely keeps a lot of us up at night, I Absolutely. would say. Definitely. Thank you so much. Good. Good start. All right. What else is keeping you up at night? Here you go, Miss Jan. Usually the night before a doctor's appointment. Yeah. That's stressful for me. Sure. Always. <laughs> Absolutely. Makes sense. Very good. Awesome. Anybody else? All right, your husband's snoring keeps you awake at night. That's a, <laughs> very physical. Here we go. It's Brenda in the middle. It's usually always family or the schedule of the next day, things I want to accomplish. Gotcha. Thinking ahead and then just family drama. All right. What else? We got one up front, Rich. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Man, that's got to be good. Probably my cat's coming in and waking me up in the middle of the night. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I love that one. Anyone else? Come on. What's keeping you awake at night? We got a couple more. Here we go. Robin, Carrie, and then Miss Dawn in the back. So we have a lot going on at my work right now. So mine is work, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. That tends to happen. What you got, Carrie? Uh, so it tends to be if I heard a song too many times in the day, it plays over in my head once yes. I wake up. But also, um, I was saying to them, like, if I can make something more efficient. Yeah. Like, hmm, how can I improve this? Thing? Gotcha. Nice. That's a productive way to be awake, right? <laughs> All right, Ms. Dawn in the back. So I have a couple of the online answers. Yeah, Tom said that um, 
what he needs to get done the next day and what he's going to need for that. There you go. And Rin said the other part of that, what I didn't get done the day before. Mm, okay, gotcha. Uh, That's a good answer. And then Sharon said that her mind is just a jungle. And it's not just one thing that keeps her awake. <laughs> her mind's a jungle, Walt. Do you, do you agree with that? <laughs> Sharon's mind's a jungle. Do you agree with that? That's what she said. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe what oh. keeps you awake at night? Maybe you don't. Maybe you sleep well since you don't since you can't hear. That's great. And then <laughs> that might be why you might be why you can't hear right now. Well. John and Jen both said work for them. Yeah. And then awesome. for me, it's always my full calendar, trying to make sure I get everything that I have set before me done. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. All good answers. Anybody else before we get out of here? Move on. There we go. All right. Awesome. Sweet. All right. That's great responses as always, man. That is so good. Thank you so much for all that you, uh, all you guys jumping in on that. I'm usually a pretty good sleeper. Usually. My wife actually, uh, most of the time will complain about how good of a sleeper I am because I remember, first off, when we first got married uh, and we were, we were in bed together and you know how it is. It's just weird when you're first married because you don't know what you're doing with each other and you're laying in bed and you're not used to sleeping by yourself. And it's like, what do we, how do you even go to sleep with someone else? Right. And uh, so you're laying there and she would love to talk right before we went to sleep. And I would love to sleep because you're in bed to do sleep, right? That's what you're there for. And so uh, I would lay down to go to sleep and she'd be talking and I'd just pass out and she'd be like, hey, wake up. I'm like, what are we, we're supposed to be sleeping. Why are we having a conversation right now, right? I'm usually really good. And she would really get fussing on that. Here lately, we got seven kids and she's out like a light now. And so I don't get to worry about her talking anymore, but uh, I'm usually sleeping pretty good. Uh, but there are nights where it takes a while to get to sleep. And what's usually running through my mind uh, is all of you. Uh, interestingly enough. Um, so stay out of my ma mind while I'm trying to go to sleep. I'd appreciate that, right? Uh, but I'll be thinking about a conversation usually we might have had on a Sunday. I'll be thinking about a problem maybe you came back with during the week or maybe just the fact that I hadn't seen you in a couple of weeks. And I'm thinking about, man, I wonder what's going on. I wonder something I could say. Should I reach out via text? Should I, should I pray for them? How are they doing? Did that issue they have get worked out? All these things will be running through my head. And I think, man, I should get up tomorrow and find out what's going on, right? I think maybe I should text them. Maybe I should text them right now. Oh, no, it's midnight. I probably shouldn't text them right now. They're probably asleep, right? So I'm doing this thing over and over and over and over again in my mind until eventually I do pass out. But all of you kind of weigh on my mind. So on and on that thought goes. And eventually I think, man, I got to go to sleep. And so I do. And I think, man, I hope I remember all these things I talked about in my head before I went to sleep the next day. And I rarely ever do that. But that's what keeps me awake at night. And what I found in my life that the things that keep me awake at night are often the things that stress me in the day. And I know I'm not alone. All the things you just mentioned, are, or most of the things you mentioned are that, right? Your work schedule the next day, what you didn't get done the day before, all those things are those stressors that weigh on us constantly at, during the day that we just carry with us subconsciously during the night, and we just can't get rid of them, right? A survey of 7,500 full-time employees revealed that 70% in their 20s and 30s, not just not people who've been in work for a long, long time, 70% in their 20s and 30s have experienced major stress and some level of burnout in their work. That's an incredibly high number for an incredibly young uh, people. But I think it speaks to the condition that most of us find ourselves in, right? Even in slow-paced Pownall, right? You're thinking, how busy, how stressed out could possibly be in Pownall, really? I mean, this is the easiest, you know, slow-paced life you could possibly find in probably all of America, and yet we are still so busy and so stressed, so burdened by that. And we mentioned last week, that part of that is a part of our busy problem, actually, is a lack of focused time, right? Time spent 
living on purpose and with priorities is focus time. But we often don't have that. We're living in unfocused time, so we keep ourselves busy. And stress is a byproduct of living with unfocused time. Because when we don't fill our lives with God things, we fill it with anything, right? That unfocused time coupled with wasted energy spent on all those things that seem so urgent but aren't really important leads us into this stress spiral where we start feeling overwhelmed, we get overcommitted, and we feel overworked, and we find ourselves just going worse and worse and down and down and down and down and down until we're just overloaded with stress. And that stress, like busyness, is killing us too. I mentioned this last week about busyness. It's the same thing with stress. Stress has been linked to headaches, chronic pain, shortness of breath, full-on panic attacks, that's stress-related, heartburn, bloating, nausea, loss of sexual desire, mood disorders. I feel like I'm going on one of those infomercials at night about those prescription medications, right? It's all these are related to stress. It also raises your cortisol level, which leads to chronic fatigue and diabetes and depression, obesity. All those things can be tied back in some form or fashion to stress. And what I find interesting is that any one of those conditions we'd address with something, right? We diet if we felt like we were gaining more weight than we wanted to, or we would sleep, try to sleep more if we felt like we were tired during the day, and we try to tackle it with all these different solutions, all these symptoms of different solutions, but what we don't tackle is the one that's driving them all, and that's our stress. Carrie Newoff, author of a book called At Your Best, great book. I'll get you that resource hopefully next week. I'm, I've I got to finish reading it. It's so good. So I'm going to get it to you, I promise. Uh, he imagined the most honest graduation commencement speech ever, right? You ever been there? High school graduation or college graduation, you're David commencement speech telling all the kids, all right, man, your future is going to be awesome, right? And they try to do all this. He says, he wrote out what, is, uh, what he considers the most honest graduation commencement speech ever. And so good, I had to highlight this. I had to quote it here. So uh, pretend you're sitting there and you've got the rest of your life ahead of you. Here's what he was going to tell these kids. He says this. He says, I'm honored to be at your commencement. Most people would try to inspire you. I'm here to inform you. You're likely wondering, what's ahead, right? Let me give you a snapshot. To begin with, most of you will soon be in debt beyond any comfortable level. If you aren't already in love, maybe you'll find somebody soon and settle down. You'll get a job, hopefully a career job, and if you're that fortunate. And at some point, you might have kids. But underneath, there'll be this undiagnosed pain, an unspoken sense that there's a meaningful calling for you, but your life is spinning out of control, and you can't pause long enough to discover why. As you work your job day after day, slowly suffocating, You'll live with this angst of never coming close to what you suspect you might have been. You won't fully understand the anxiety, of course, but it eventually dawned on you that this life you'd anticipated for so long is one that on most days you long to escape. For some of you, that escape will happen every day at four or five or nine, whatever you finally head home or close a laptop for good. You'll end up those days binge watching your favorite show or usually over takeout because you're too tired to cook, or scrolling social media until your eyes sting and you fall asleep, phone still in hand. Some of you will find your escape in a third glass of bourbon or wine most nights. You'll unwind with a joint or another trip to the fridge because reality feels a little too heavy to carry. For others among you, it'll be the prescription medication you're no longer taking as directed. Or you'll find yourself drifting away from the people closest to you and flirting online with people you used to know in high school because your current relationship is, oh, so dull, even though your Instagram doesn't say it is. Or maybe you'll live for the weekend or your next vacation or the lake or the game or the pool, anything but what you're doing right now. Some of you will bury your pain with, ironically, more work, right? 
Workaholism is, after all, the most rewarded addiction in the nation. You can get fired for drinking too much, but working too much will get you a raise. Finally, a small number of you won't lapse into any of these patterns. Instead, you'll soldier on. You'll endure for the next four decades of banality to achieve the dream of having a decent life when you retire, assuming you live that long. All this and more awaits you. Welcome to life as we know it. As dismal as this sounds, that's the script that most of us have accepted as normal, is what we strive for, is what successful people adopt. How did the most prosperous people in human history live lives that are all centered on escapism and survival? Have you thought about that? How do we get to this point? All generations prior, they didn't have any of the technology, they didn't have any of the benefits, they didn't have any of the amenities that we have. And by far and by large, they were more calm, peaceful. They weren't stressed out, not like we are. They weren't worried like we are. They weren't busy like we are. How did they achieve that and we can't? That's a question that future generations are going to have to answer. But right now, we have to answer, how do we stop? How do we stop this cycle? Fortunately, the Bible prescribes a three-part solution, and I'm not going to give you all three. Last week, I gave you all the, the solutions to the problem in one message, and we were here like an hour and 15. It was a long but good uh, message, I thought. But this week, I'm going to slow it down for you. I'm going to break it down. This week, we're going to cover one of those three solutions, and next week, we're going to cover the other two. So this week, we're just covering this one part, and we're going to find that solution to our stress, this present problem that wears us down, that leads us to escapism, that leads us to all these things that we don't even talk about to other people but we think about it every night. How do we escape this? How do we find the solution to this problem? And we're going to go back, way, 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 way back, thousands of years, in fact, to a group of really stressed out people walking around in the desert called the Israelites, right? These people were once enslaved by the Egyptians, and for generations uh, they, were, they were enslaved, and they had to just go through the pains and turmoil and cycles of just oppression and depression. And finally, they were set free by a set of miracles by God. It's, it's a narrative we call the Exodus, and it's incredible, right? One aspect I've always found remarkable isn't how God saves his people, although that's the focus that we find a lot of, but what happens after they're rescued. You see, God had promised his ancestor, their ancestors rather that he would bring them out of slavery and give them a land of their own, and he does eventually. But between their rescue and their destination, God uses the journey through the wilderness to teach them by experience who he is and who they are to be. And one of those teaching moments comes in the form of their work rest habits. As I'm about to be joined by a cat on stage, aren't I? He's thinking about it. All right. Sometimes I get desperate. We don't have enough people in here. I have to recruit animals to come in. So, no, it's been working out. So the Israelites, right? The Israelites have been slaves. God was going to explain to them how they're going to live. The Israelites, they've been slaves. They've been made to work constantly with little to no time to rest, right? They're always working. And over the generations, they become conditioned to this state. Always got to be working. Always got to work. Got to work, 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 work. Work was how you survived. So God began to break, free, break them free of that when he rescued that, but he's going to show them a different way to live, right? In the wilderness, he begins to teach them what it means in full. So the land between Egypt and what now modern-day Israel uh, is, is barren, all right? You're talking about a desert, all right? Just a bunch of nothing. The essentials of water and food are always scarce. So after days of hiking through all this wilderness, this desert, the people, after they've been rescued, set free from slavery, you think they'd be grateful, right? They're wandering through the wilderness, and they're hungry, and they're tired, and they're thirsty, and so they begin to complain. 
Exodus 16, 2 and 3. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. We're going to be working through Exodus 16. Just a few small excerpts as we get to this. Josh is going to have it up on screen for us as well. It says this, Exodus 16, 2 and 3. says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel, everybody, in other words, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Those are the leaders, right, of the group, because you never want to be a leader unless you want to get just grumbled to all the time. And so they were getting grumbled to. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We had rather died full then be free and hungry. Interesting. By the way, that's how I feel about five o'clock every day. All right? I'm, I'm complaining. Where's my food at? Right? I'm hungry, right? But in the middle of the desert, here's the thing they ran into. They couldn't provide for themselves. They couldn't provide for themselves. There was no amount of work or effort on their part they could be done to fill themselves back up. So God provided for them. Exodus 16, 4 and 5 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, right? People complain to Moses. Then the Lord responds back to Moses by saying this, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it'll be twice as much as what they gather daily. How good, How good is God in this moment, right? Think about this. The people, nothing to eat. There's no way they can provide for themselves. And yet God provides for them. He rains down quail at night and, and, and for meat and manna in the morning for bread. But he mentions something interesting here. He says on the sixth day, right, they're to bring in twice as much as usual. Why they had to bring in twice on Saturday, on, on the Friday or whatever day of the week it was? Why twice as much one day this week? Let's find out. Exodus 16, 23 says this. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that's left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. Now see, they could take and they could bake and they could boil what they needed all week long, but on the seventh day, or excuse me, the sixth day, they were to take a double portion because the seventh day they were to rest. He called it a Sabbath or in the Hebrew Shabbat, right? It's a time of just rest. Now why would God do that? God could have rained down food on them every day. Why didn't he? He said back in verses 4 and 5, he says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to send them. I'm going to provide for them food. I'm going to give them the, the quail they want, the meat, the bread. They can bake and boil. They can do all the things that they need to not only to survive, but to, to live well. But one day they're not going to get it. Why? All right? He said he was going to give them this thing to see whether they would follow all the commandments that we're going to follow. He could have tested them with any command. Matter of fact, he'd go on to give them 10 of them specifically. You probably know them as the 10 commandments. They're actually just 10 words in the Hebrew that God gives that are expounded upon later. It's Exodus 20, 13, and 16. You find just a few of them. You probably know these. Maybe you heard of them before, right? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. All these commandments that God would give, these words of how to live their life as a people he gave. But before he gave any of those... He gave this one. Gather twice on the sixth day and rest on the seventh. He starts with this one thing. Because if they can't get this one thing, all the other ones here he's going to give later are going to be impossible. 
God was trying to teach them this overworked, this, this work-dependent, this stressed-out people that rest wasn't just important, that rest was essential because rest is more than just taking a break. Rest equals trust. Rest equals trust. He knew that the temptation was to trust in the provision and was to trust in their ability to work with it to take care of themselves. He knew that even though they didn't have any way to provide for themselves, when they started getting the food from heaven, the quail come in, the manna falls in the morning, that as as they started that process of baking and boiling, of working, of doing all these things, they were going to fall back in these old patterns that had kept them in slavery. And he's here teaching them in freedom. He says, no, freedom means you're going to take a Shabbat. You're going to rest. You're not going to work. You're not going to provide. You're not going to be worried about provision for the next day. You're going to rest in what I've given you. The Sabbath was and is a reminder to trust not in our own ability or the things we earn or create for ourselves, but to totally trust in him alone. That's it. Now, here's something crazy we do as humans. We cover our stress with activity, right? We fill our schedules with busy things, and we keep filling it, filling it, filling it, filling it, filling it up, and we say things like, I just got to get going, right? I just got to keep pressing. I got to work. I got to get paid. I got to pay the bills. I got to keep the kids clothed. I got to keep them in activities. I got to keep going. I got to keep pushing, 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 and we cover our stress with more stress. And here's the thing. You're not made to solely work. You're not made to go and go and go and go and go. You're not made to do those things. You're made to worship. Now, work done right can be a form of worship, but we rarely do it right. And even when we do, we miss out on the other half of worship, which is rest. Rest is one of the purest forms of worship. Because what happens is we become slaves to our dependence on work and we live a life that's unsustainable and God doesn't offer merely a break in our lives but real rest that's found in trusting in him, trusting that he's got you. You see, God made your heartbeat before you knew what a heartbeat was. Think about that. He breathed into you before you ever felt short of breath. He's speaking over you before you even knew how to speak for yourself. He knows and he loves you. And regardless of whether you acknowledge it, God is in control. And there's the rub, isn't it? We spend our time stressing because we fight for control. We need to feel, to pretend, to perceive that we have it all under control, don't we? And when we don't feel like it, we freak out. That's where your stress. Imagine your stress. Your stress is over the things that you don't have control over. It's money. Can I get enough money? It's the next day's schedule. I don't know what's coming, or I do know what's coming, but I don't know if I'm ready for it. And we and waste our time not sleeping when we need to be resting to get ready for the next day, right? We think about all the things that are out of our control or how we can gain more control over them, right? It's all a control game. Anything we can't control is stress. And then even the things we do get control over, get mastery over, still stresses us out. It still stresses us out. The Israelites experience the same thing. They complain, 
Stressed out? I don't know. I got to provide. My kids are hungry. Why can't you give me some food? Food comes. Oh, wow. All right, man. I got to gather all this food. Got to get all this food, right? And, and then he provides for it. And he tells them, get twice as much on the sixth because nothing's coming on the seventh. So what did they do on day seven? What did they do? What do you think they did? That first week, manna falls in the morning, quail falls at night. He tells them, there's nothing coming on day seven. Gather twice as much on day six. What do you think they did on day seven? Take a guess. You might not know. It's okay. Take a guess. It's okay. You can say it. Nobody's going to say They went to work. They went to work. Verse uh, 16, verse 27. Throw it up on the screen for me. Joshua says, on the seventh day, some of the people, not everybody, but some of the people went out to gather. Some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. You see, there were hoarders before hoarders were hoarders, right? They had gathered twice as much the day before. God told them to. He's not saying you're going to starve on day seven, right? He's not saying, hey, take a rest, take a break, take a day off, worship the way you're intended to live. This is how I created you, why I created you. So take a break, take that whole 24 hours off. And I've given you enough days one through six that seven, you can do that. But no, they gathered or tried to on day seven. They were hoarders. They had that, that a feeling. They had collected it already, but they had that feeling. They had to go out the next day. Maybe you've heard people say this, well, you just can't be prepared, or you've got to be more prepared, right? You can never be too prepared. They hope to gather more, 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 more. Why? Because they needed that dependence on themselves. They think, if I can collect enough, I won't need to worry about the next day. Let me collect more. Well, the thing is, you can never have enough. God knew that. There was never enough. As a matter of fact, you talk to people who continually get more things and, and, and accumulate and can't get rid of anything. There's never enough. You talk to the richest people in the world. There's never enough money. Those things don't have a limit because our, we are wired to gather, 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 gather because more means more dependence on ourselves, more control. We, have, we can trust ourselves. We can trust in our things and not on God. And God was attempting to break them of their self-dependence. Because get this, a mentality that says, I can only trust myself and I can only trust my effort to work out my life the way I see fit isn't freedom. That's a jail cell. God understood this. He understands it now. And he gave them the key to get out. God's doing the same thing with so many of us. We strive and we stress. We might even feel like we got it together for a while and then things get maybe a little tougher again. And then maybe we even quote scripture and say things like, man, God helps those that help. Oh, wait a minute. That's not in the Bible anywhere. We want it to be. It ain't there. What we actually find is the Exodus story replayed in the gospel, the good news of Jesus He's just like the Israelites. We are a people who know that total control over our life isn't attainable. But we strive for it anyway, don't we? We strive for it. We stress over it. And along the way, we fail royally at it. But thankfully, God gives us the way out. Jesus says this, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30. I'm going to have it. Josh will flick it up on the screen for you. Very, very, very famous words. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we accept Jesus, we give up control. We change who and what we trust. We're busy. We're overworked. We're stressed out over the tiniest of things, working for a good life, and all the while God is giving us the way out. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. Rest a little every day. Go to sleep at night not worrying about what tomorrow is bringing you. Not worrying about what you failed at today. Trust me. I've got you. Stop wasting the time I've given you working on the details of your life, stressing out everything you've planned when it doesn't go right, and instead focus on just what I've called you to do. Stop stressing. Start resting. For seekers this morning, this is a really hard thing to do. This is a hard thing for anybody to do. Someone who's even, man, I've made a commitment to Christ ages ago, it feels like, years and years and years, decades ago at this point, and yet I still have to come back to where Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I have to be reminded that he gives us rest, and I have to accept that rest and enter into it. That is a hard thing because I'm a perfectionist. I want things to go just right. I spend hours, countless hours, not just putting a message together. I come up here and I'll arrange the chairs to make sure they're perfectly in line before you get here. I go back in the computer. I'll arrange the service and rearrange it. I agonize over the music we're going to sing. I'll go through 50 songs and finally pick two and still think, man, I don't know if those are the right ones. I'm a perfectionist. Perfectionists control things. And when things are out of control, we freak out. I do. So I have to come back and admit that I can't control it and that when I give up control, I'm finally starting to get where God wants me to be and he's going to give me something better than what I controlled anyway. What I love about this, and I've seen it happen over and over and over again, I had an idea, a vision. I, I, I believe it was God-given, not trying to say I'm I like special or anything, but I think really God gave me that. Part of that was for this cafe, and that cafe was great, and I had all sorts of grand plans for it. But what really, really just excited me was what I mentioned earlier when Rich came. This was before Rich wasn't even here, right, when the cafe idea was in my head. And we started putting stuff together, and he came in, and I told him all about it. And he's like, I've got some, I'm a train fanatic. I love trains. I got train stuff. You can have it. That's giving up control. That's me saying, I might have had a different plan or vision for what that might look like. And I finally said, you know what, God, you bring it. You, you do it. You show me what it's going to look like. And then Rich comes in and puts up all this stuff I never could have gotten on my own. That's what trusting in God over trusting in yourself will get you. That's just one small example. That's everything in your life, though. Stop stressing and stop. Start resting and start trusting in him. He gives you a better thing than what you can possibly control for yourself. So if you're seeking this morning and thinking, man, I don't know if I can give up control, join the club, right? Every day is a battle. Every day is a decision, a habit you have to ingrain in your life 
to do that instead of trusting in yourself. It doesn't happen overnight. Matter of fact, if you make a decision for Jesus today and you say, man, I want to follow Christ, come to me, all who are laboring and heavy laden, that's me, I want that rest, I need that rest, I need something different because what I'm doing isn't working. And when you accept that, that's going to have to be a daily, daily, minute by minute probably, prayer in your life. That's a habit that has to be changed, a rut that you have to jump out of and, and get into a different pattern to say, I'm going to trust him every day. So if that's you this morning, we get to this point today and you're like, man, I, I do need that. Because here's the thing. I said this when we started this Overcomer series. I'll tell you again. I can tell you you're stressed out. You may even believe it yourself. But if you don't legitimately feel like what I'm telling you can change in your life, you will not make the effort to do it. We do this all the time. We're like rats in a maze that can't find a way out. And we think there just is no way out. I'm just stuck in this cycle over and over and over and over and over again. I can't break free of this. It's impossible. I know you're telling me I can. I know it sounds really good. I hear Jesus speaking and say, come to me, I'll give you rest. And it's like, man, that sounds amazing. But you can't imagine what it looks like in reality. So I'm going to give you an opportunity because maybe you can today. Maybe something clicked inside of you this morning and it's like, now I do understand and I'm ready to do this. But maybe you're not yet. Faith is a journey, sometimes a long and winding one. And so I want to encourage you that if that's you and you're still like, I don't know, I don't know, I hear you, I'm stressed, man. And maybe I can try a couple of tweaks and maybe I should take a day off. That alone isn't going to do it, but you could try it. But if you want to keep pressing in and say, I don't know, but I want to learn more. I'm just curious enough to lean in a little longer. Know that we're here for you. God isn't, le- God isn't looking at you and saying, well, you missed it. See you later. All right, have fun with your life. I gave you the out. Here's the key. No, nope, took it away. No, that's not what he's doing. You have to take it. But if you're not ready to take it yet, Stick with us, ask and answer questions, have doubts, concerns, comments, all those things. We can talk about it all together. I'm not scared. God isn't scared of your questions, neither am I. We can talk about this stuff as we lean into what does it mean to live a restful life and not a stressful life. So if you're ready to make that decision, we're going to give you a chance in just a minute. If you're not, stick with us, especially through the rest of the series. Next week, we're going to finish up on stress and then worry and then anxiety. All those things we're going to get to. So stick with us, all right? For believers, y'all might not like me after this one, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. I've heard people in our community say this very recently. I don't go to church. I work on Sundays. Yeah. That's the mentality of the community we live in. How many of us as believers could honestly reply with, I can take a day off because I trust God will provide what I can't even provide for myself? Can we say that? See, one of the most reacted to messages that we've had at this church in the past two years, I'll look back at them. One of the most reacted to, people loved it, all over it, come to me every week and say, man, that was so good. Come to me months later and say, man, I remember that. That was so good. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I'm glad it impacted you. You want to know what that message was two years? It was on Sabbath. It was on taking a day off. We discussed it in greater detail, much greater detail than I got into this morning. So I encourage you, if you want to know more about what the Sabbath really is and how it works and how God has orchestrated and ingrained it into the world, 
Feel free to go look back. It's on our YouTube page. You'll find it there. Just search Sabbath there. You'll, you'll track it down. It's a two-parter. It's what it is and then how to actually live it. So I encourage you to get into that. But what happens was people were all about it. Like, man, I loved it. I loved it. Two years ago, many of you said, I got to take a day off. I need to take 24 hours off each week and just reorient my life. Two years later, how many of you actually are doing that? If you haven't done it, and I know many of you haven't, so you, you can't lie to me because we've had conversations, <laughs> right? I've talked to many of you who said, man, I loved it. I still haven't done it. I know. I know it's hard. But here's the deal. If you haven't done it, you don't have a busy issue. You don't have a stress, stress issue. You've got a trust issue. I'll be real with you. You're not too busy to take a day off. You're not too stressed to take a day off. You don't trust. What you have, and again, I'm sorry in advance, <laughs> what you have, what we all wrestle with, is an overflated opinion of your ability to control your life and solve your own problems that's getting in the way of you worshiping God. You do. I do. You have an overplated opinion of yourself. Thinking, I got this, or I have to get this. And trusting in ourselves and not in him. Now, you can suck in that failure thinking, two years ago, I said I was going to take a day off. And two years later, I might have taken two. And you can say, man, I really flopped on that one. You can suck in that failure and say, I don't know. I'm just, maybe I just can't do it. Or you can start doing something about it. Are you going to let another two years go by before you start doing more than just saying you trust Jesus? Stop stressing and start truly trusting and resting. Let's pray today. All heads bowed and all eyes closed as we get ready to get into this time. It's time of response. What happens in this moment isn't just me trying to emotionalize things or lead you in different ways to get to, to do something that you don't want to do. What it is is a time to listen, not to me, but to God. I could speak Tom Blue in the face, and you could not do a single thing about what I'm telling you to do. But what I pray is that you listen to God as he's speaking into your life right now. If you're seeking this morning and you haven't accepted him, he's saying, stop stressing. Trust me. And if you're ready to receive Jesus, because the gospel is saying that we are messed up, we stress ourselves out, we can't get out of our stress cycle, the only freedom is found in Christ who says, come to me. So if that's you and you want to come to him for the first time, to say, man, I'm done trying. I'm ready to step into this relationship to trust him. The way you do that is you pray a prayer like this. You say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't trusted you to take care of my money, my schedule, my kids, my wife, my husband, my future family a past family. I'm stressing over all of these things. 
And today I hear you saying, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest, rest, rest. And I'm ready. I'm ready to receive it. If that's you today and you prayed that prayer or one like it, I just want to encourage you to find me after. Find Walt in the back. I'm going to put him on the spot. He'll help us out as we talk about what happens next. How do you live in that rest? We're going to talk some of that next week, but we can start it today. Don't leave. Don't leave online until you've had an opportunity to respond to that. Let us know online. Like or love the comment we're going to post. I'll follow up with you. Our team, Don, will follow up with you too. For everyone else, for believers, as we get ready to wrap this up, let's pray this one together. Dear Jesus, whew, God, every day I need a reminder that you have provided what I need for today. God, just as you rained down quail in the evening and manna in the morning for your people, just as you gave them daily provision, God, I pray that we live one day at a time in you trusting in you that just today, not worrying about tomorrow, not worrying about what we screwed up yesterday, but just focusing on today, God, what are you providing for us today? Because you do provide for us day in and day out. God, I pray that we let go of the stress that's holding us down, God, the things that, that are weighing on us, our failures, our mistakes, our, 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 our drama, all the things back here behind the past of our lives, God, all the things that haven't happened yet that we're just still freaking out over, that we just don't know what's going to happen. Is it World War III? Is it all these who cares, who knows? There's a billion different things that could be. God, I pray that we focus right here, right now, on trusting that you got us got us. That we're reminded each day when we get up, it's a new day in you, that you will provide what we need. And God, that on the seventh day, God, each and every single week that we will stop, that we'll tell our work no, that we'll tell all of our other commitments that would force us out from worshiping you. We say, nope, today I'm doing what I'm made to do. I'm resting. I'm trusting. I'm worshiping the King of kings, Lord of lords, God above all, especially my life. God, let us live it, Lord. Let us not just say we trust you to people, but God, prove it in how we act, how we live by taking that time away and off and breaking. And God, let it be an example to everybody in Pownal and in the surrounding communities, Jesus, that that's that weird people who actually take a day off. That's that people who don't work on Sunday or, or Saturday or Monday or whatever day it is you take off. That's the day. That's those people, God, that trust in you. Man, that's interesting. I want to know more. God, let us be that people for you. And not just that thing, but everything is we love you and love them beyond our ability, trusting that you got us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church, and everybody online with us, whether you're part of our church family or not, thank you for sticking with us this morning. Make sure you share this post. By the way, people in-house, 
feel free, please, I encourage you, go on there, share it on uh, YouTube, it's on YouTube or Facebook, share it, give it away to somebody, it doesn't require anything but a click, it's really easy, and somebody who's stressed out may get away from their stress, all right, and you don't even have to tell it to them, you say, listen to this, that's all you got to say, all right, so I encourage you to share it, I encourage you to be with us Wednesdays for groups, 6 p.m., awesome groups we have each and every week, uh, the meet just various locations, so connect with us online to see where we're at, and then also Thursday night, 6 30 p.m. for prayer. This is where all starts to go down is prayer time. So if you want to be with us for that, we encourage 630 Thursdays in person or online. And then next week, next Sunday, we talk about stress part two. So if you want to figure out what's the next thing besides rest, there's more to this. We're going to unpack it next week. All right. So stick with us then. We'll see you Sunday, 10 a.m. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.